threesome will do. And it's very, I just thank you for the, the songs you chose as well. They were just sort of, uh, I was getting fresh meaning out of every word. And uh, yeah, it's interesting, um, the, we're, we're just tailing off on, on a series um, called, uh, called Scent. And Josh last week spoke about grace, uh, the way uh, God's grace and sends us, it actually empowers us, it releases us, and uh, as we, um, as I look at the passage we're looking at today, which is from Revelation 1, um, it's in the Advent season, of course, and, uh, and I just thought, you know, I'd read this passage of Daniel just to kick off with, because it's one of the passages for today and the readings for today, as I watched, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient One took his throne, his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and his wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and flowed out from his presence. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood attending him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. As I watched in the night visions, I saw one... Like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient One and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and his kingdom, his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. Amazing, amazing passage. And so in Revelation, we hear jumped uh, into the uh, writings of John who was in prison on Patmos in one of the Greek islands and uh, and God reveals something that Jesus wanted us to know that's the way it comes across God is revealing something about hope in a God that we can trust an expectation for a future that God has crafted so when we think of our lives when we think of of us in Australia here uh, in Brisbane, we can think in terms of a God we can trust in and an expectation for a future that God has crafted for us. Isn't that lovely? It's about the character of God. It's about a posture of trust in God's own character himself and his work. And seeing the work of God in the seemingly ordinary, unremarkable moments that fill our lives. Are the words of Eric Barento. And I think uh, I just love uh, the way that he um, uh, brings a summary of the message of Revelation. Revelation, and some people say it revelations. There's no S. It's just revelation. And uh, um, it means unveiling. And revelation is the unveiling of a worldview previously hidden. So it's exposing something that's always been, but now is revealed. And we know this is the story of Jesus. He reveals something that we need to know. And the purpose then, I'll, I'll hit it head up, one of my favorite things uh, is that it is to comfort us. It is to comfort us. It's to give us confidence in days when there is terrorism, all around when when things are being shaken, 
when the economic world, when the political world, when uh, the sociological, psychological, everything about life is being shaken up. And we, we're a part of that world, and we know it's true. And yet uh, God calls us to have confidence in these days. We're to be different. I've, pre- I've preached this before, but I guess I'll keep preaching it as long as I live. You know, that we, in days of trial, you know, uh, uh, are those who should have confidence. Because it talks about in Hebrews that I will shake the heavens and the earth, uh, that those things that are unshakable will remain. Those things that are temporal, they will, they will fade. As, as we've talked about. And the word comfort, I love it. It's uh, a compilation of two words, um, Latin, compass forte. If you know music, forte. What is forte? It's about being loud and strong, isn't it? God wants us to, compass is about going somewhere. So he, he wants us to be those who are going out, going forth, that very word sent that you know, the Graham's been talking about, it's, it's about compass. It was the word uh, comfort, was a word that army generals would charge their troops as they went into battle. Be comforted, you know. And uh, it was going forth into battle. Quite different than, than sitting with a marshmallow uh, on, a, on a soft lounge. And I think we as the church, perhaps it's a challenge. Uh, for us t- today, in these days, is to not allow ourselves to, to be lounge-driven or lounge-ridden, but, but to actually be those who uh, know what true comfort is that gives us the courage to go forth, the confidence to go forth in times of difficulty, in, in a world that's becoming increasingly hostile to the knowledge of Jesus. You know, I was... Um, I was uh, uh, recently in, in uh, hospital, my, my mother-in-law, Leanne's mum, has uh, had a fall and, and broke her hip. And uh, we, one of those things, we woke up uh, a couple of Fridays ago, a few Fridays ago, to the to the sound of my, uh, the frantic screams of my uh, my mother-in-law. And uh, she's a, a lovely, gracious, saintly lady. But uh, um, she, it it so happened that she had broken a hip and. She went into a hospital and she went into Prince Charles and then transferred uh, because she's got Bupa into uh, the Holy Spirit and now she's at a, uh, at a another Catholic uh, hospital way over uh, close to where uh, a lot of their ministry and work was, um, uh, their life work in serving people. The thing about uh, I noticed and I commented was that the difference there was between uh, the service, a secular kind of hospital care, and one that had uh, the the notion or the ingredients of spirituality in it, as the Catholic hospital has. And uh, it just made me think how powerful and how important and how different should be and is uh, between the company or the friendship of those who know Christ or the engagement with anything to do with those who esteem Christ and where he is not esteemed. There's a hardness. There's a hardness, harshness often, and there's a lack there. No matter how people tried and try hard, there's such a difference between having someone like Chris O'Gorman in a school 
And her history is she just transforms every school she goes to. It becomes different. Amazing things happen in kids' lives. There's, there's destiny that comes into young people's lives, young men and women, because she's there. Uh, and, and she just loves doing what she does. And I think that's something we often take for granted is the power of a teacher like Joy and the way she doesn't like to be exposed this way, but she, she just shines. She loves her kids, and it's, her, it's a calling that she has to shine and to present Christ, not overtly perhaps, but in a way that they all know where she belongs and who she's identified with. And they see the grace of God on her life. And we could go around this room, many, many stories, that Jesus makes a tangible difference in the world, in our lives. And take Jesus out of Australia, and it's a pretty empty place. Take Jesus out of the world, and take Jesus' people out of the world, and it becomes a very dangerous place. In fact, you know, Scripture talks about that, that there will be a time when God does take that grace out of the world. And, and the world will see uh, what it's missing. There will be a moment when that happens. But um, I want to encourage us today that Jesus in you is the answer. It is the answer. And as um, John begins to prophesy these amazing words from Revelation, um, he begins to move in the same spirit to encourage us and encourage churches that are persecuted, they're in trouble, many are frantic, uh, quite undone, but to encourage them in the things that are important because they are important. So um, from uh, verse 4 it says, For John to the seven churches in western Turkey, I've, I've got here, this is a passion uh, translation. It's sort of, we've thought it was in Southeast Asia, didn't we, until now, but it's actually in Western Turkey. Um, May the kindness of God's grace, and these are, every word is weighted. When you're looking at John here, every word is absolutely pregnant with meaning. And we had three guys on the stage this morning. That, that's meaning. Three people on the, on the stage Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's three there too. Um, (laughs) so grace it says the new kingdom brings grace and peace they overflow to you from him who is and was and is to come and from the seven spirits who are in front of his throne now what do you think about that the seven spirits that that come here Uh, in front of his throne. This often throws me off. Uh, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruling king who rules over the kings of the earth. So it it talks about Islam, for example, uh, means peace. Is that right, uh, Daniel? Submission, does it? Okay, what's the word in, in Islam that to do with peace? Is that uh, jihad or no? No, no, there's, there is a word, isn't there? The, Islam, that's it. Sorry, that's, I knew it was there somewhere. So the name Islam actually means peace. Salam. Okay. Well, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Salam. Anyway, anyway, that, 
what I've understand is that the, the, the peace of Islam anyway is a peace in which Islam rules, is that right? In which the jurisdiction, the religious jurisdiction of Islam rules. I think I'm getting that right anyway. Um, <laughs> but the peace of God is a different kind of peace. It's the peace of Christ. It's not the rule of human religion. And this is what John is actually contrasting here. He's looking, and as we look around the world today, we see what's happening in the US. We see what's happening in China. We see what's happening in Europe. We see what's happening in the Islamic world. We, we see what, what is happening in the world about us. And it's all... It's all the work and the leadership and with communism, with all the isms, with all the religions of the world. It's the working, ultimately, of human effort, of human uh, uh, design and purpose. And it's often that what people see is the best that they can offer, and they want everyone else to have it too. But, you know, Jesus comes in here and he brings, it says grace, which Josh talked about last week, this grace of God. And I found, Josh, that was so liberating. Um, I found it just so powerful. It helped me preach at night. It, it, was, it was fantastic because the, the nature of God's grace and, and Josh's dad, Charles, also just an amazing grace preacher, such a revelation of that. And it just, it was life-changing last week. In fact, I love coming to church because I think every week we've got different speakers and it's, you know, it's, it's charged with, with, with meaning and, and inspiration. I'm just so appreciating it. But this, this grace of God, it, it, and we'll look at it uh, because I believe it's elaborated um, as, the, as this passage goes on. Uh, the nature of God's unmerited favor uh, brings a peace uh, upon us. It overflows, it says there, to you from him who is, who was, and is to come. Now, so there's a, there's a triplet or a triad uh, who is and was and is to come. The seven spirits, there's seven. But in that whole, uh, from verses four to five there, we've, we've started off with um, the grace and peace that flows from God the Father, him who was, who is. Then it talks about the seven spirits, which is, uh, not actually uh, another, a better rendition is the sevenfold spirit. Okay, the sevenfold spirit. And when you think of that, and so the Holy Spirit moves multiply. He is omniscient. He uh, he is omnipresent, and so he is the expression of God that can come in multifaceted ways. So that's how big God is. Um, and then it talks about Jesus Christ being the faithful witness of, or the faithful martyr. In other words, he is the one that has, has, has died or has been, been killed, and yet he's the firstborn. He ushers in uh, resurrection life uh, from the dead. He's the firstborn among the dead. And so we get the picture here. And not only this, which would blow the socks off the readers uh, in, a, in, a, in a jurisdiction which the Roman Empire was very powerful and very brutal, and everyone knew the Roman, uh, the Roman Empire and its, and its power and its cruelty uh, and its demands. And so it's the statement here is, I mean, it's surely going to get John into trouble, but uh, the ruling king who rules over all the kings of the earth. In other words, present day, present day world is that Jesus actually is the ruler over them all. 
So if you want to know where you stand and where you are in a chaotic world, this, this brings us to a new reality, a new revelation uh, that, that God wants us to know. And the amazing thing about this, this passage and about the book of Revelation is it, we've often understood it to be a futuristic thing that we can't understand. When in fact, if we read it as though God is wanting to speak to us right now, in this week, in this day, in our time, that's the purpose of the book. It's to actually give us courage and give us understanding right now in our present historical time, 25th of November, uh, 2018. It's to give us the, um, the, uh, the, the, the foundation, the, the, uh, the dwelling place, the place from which to live and move and have our being from. Okay, so let's, let's um, move on from this amazing passage. And this is where I want to look into this morning. Love sent. It says, Now to the one who constantly loves us and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood, and to the one who has made us, into, uh, made us to rule as a kingly priesthood, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. So we're just breaking this up. And the first uh, point I want to draw from this is that, and I'm sorry, um, it's not that easy to, to read, uh, but living, we live from a blessed state of being. It says God constantly loves us. And this is what impacted me so much from uh, Josh's uh, teaching last week, is that the, the nature of grace is so much greater than we can ever imagine. It, is, it actually sets us up in life and so that we need nothing else. It actually sets us up psychologically, spiritually, and every respect uh, in a place in which we can actually address our challenges in life confidently because we don't come from a place of exclusion or, or failure, but we come from a place of amazing grace. And the goodness of God, so it compels us. So we we live or we witness. We our lives are a witness from a place of constant uh, of grace that comes from God's constant love. God doesn't stop loving us. God doesn't um, interject from time to time and and stop loving us and walk away from us. That is a fallacy. And so long, I mean, I've, I've teaching in past years about. Uh, the way God, um, I'm going through the wilderness period. You know, I'm going through a time. I don't know where God is. The heavens are as brass. Now, there are times in life when that, when it seems like that. But God doesn't want that that kind of experience to dominate our lives. He wants us to be assured, as His people, that God constantly loves us. And that means tomorrow. And that means in the situation you'll face later in the week. He constantly loves us. So that is the platform in which we live. We can do anything. If God constantly loves other words, Paul says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Even the devil himself. Who can lay any charge against God's elect? This is what 
what we're hearing about this morning. The teaching of the New Testament is so unified, it's so powerful, and it repeats itself in different ways over and over again. But God wants us to be assured that we come from a place of grace, that we live in God's constant love. Secondly, God has dealt with disqualification. It says he's loosed us from our sins by his own blood. Love delivers us from fear. Where fear, panic attack, that sort of thing, is such a strong, dominant spirit in the world today. One of the great enemies of the church is fear. Of, of anyone, of human race is fear. But God assures us love defeats fear. The love of God will defeat fear. So if I'm feeling intimidated, I can say, I need not be fear because love is, love is in my life and the love of God is greater than my fears. And then he says, and, uh, and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood. That deals with the issue of shame. Many of us as Christians, and, and I think we're all the same, there are areas which we think, and I've heard it over and over again over the years, that I feel disqualified, I feel I'm not good enough, I feel ashamed of what I did before, and therefore I can't be a confident Christian, I can't go out and share my faith, I can't go and, and, and do this project because I feel disqualified, I feel I'll leave that to other people, I'll leave it to Josh and Graham, you know, I'll leave it for someone like Chris O'Gorman or or Peter Lane, but, but not me, because you know, I've, got, I've got baggage, I've got the stuff there, and, and I don't feel I could actually do that. But God wants to rip all that away. It's all false. God has taken away our shame, and he goes to such extent of even shedding his own blood, the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. It says, He's loosed us or freed us or delivered us from our sins by his own blood. He's dealt with the issue of disqualification. And if that can ever come against us, we need to see it removed. If we lack confidence to share our faith, to begin endeavours, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and we feel unqualified or feel a sense of opposition, the blood of Jesus speaks to that, okay? It's a covenant. It's written in his own blood. It's written, it's sound, it's true. It is the truth that the blood of Christ has qualified you. If you believe in Christ this morning as your Savior, if you've taken Jesus as your Savior, then this morning his blood is effective for you. It's totally effective in every respect, in every way. It will take care of everything that stops you uh, 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 feeling unqualified and feeling uh, dislodged or isolated uh, from God. So Christ takes that away and gives us a confidence to reach people, to talk to people, to engage with people, to engage with situations we wouldn't normally do because the spirit of confidence in Christ gives us that ability. And it makes us a super person. It makes us all, as, a, as people here today, super people. Maybe we should have Super Tuesday again, you know, I don't know, whatever that's about. But, you know, we become super, super people. Donna, you're really super. She is, yeah. Next one is we were sent 
anointed to minister heaven and earth. Now, I love this here, and 1 Peter 2 says, ex- uh, expresses that again. So we get the apostles. They're all saying this, and, uh, um, and you know, Paul as well. It says, And to the one who has made us to rule as a kingly priesthood. Now, many people have taken that as being something that is way off in the future sometime. In fact, a lot of people get around a lot of what Jesus wrote and what is written in Scripture by saying, well, it's, it's to be in the future. Okay? But it's not. It's for us now. He's made us to rule as a kingly priesthood. He's placed us. He's given, we're not displaced. We are given a placement. We're commissioned to go. We're called to represent him. And as a kingly priesthood, we become a people. And, and Peter it talks about the, uh, the fact that we were once not a people, but now we are a people. Now we are the people of God, a people in a particular rule, priesthood, a holy nation, um, a people unique to God to show forth or declare the praises. In other words, to declare the wonders, to, de- to witness to how good God is. And that's our lives. It's, it's the sort of witness that comes with a person who's really met Christ. It's a sort of witness that cannot be suppressed because it cannot be suppressed. It has to be heard. It's amazing. And you know, I experienced that myself. Becoming a Christian, I was pretty introverted, and even when I met Leanne, I was pretty introverted, and uh, and I, you know, I couldn't say boo, and I often would struggle to enter into a conversation with with uh, with other people or an intelligent conversation. I knew what I was, I knew what they were saying, but I couldn't actually enter in, and I. Th- and, and one of the remarkable changes that happened in my life immediately was not only that I used to sneer, but I started smiling, and I couldn't stop smiling. Uh, that was a sign of the joy of God. But also I had something to say, and often that got great reactions. You know, had my brother, he, I, I, I had something to say to him, and he slammed the door and took off out of the room. I didn't see him for a long time after that, you know. I remember, you know, being with some friends and... and uh, uh, we've just been out sailing, and then I said, "Have you heard about Jesus? Do you know about him? You know." And one of the guys who was a, a lecturer um, at a tertiary institution, um, he just suddenly did the same thing. I was wondering why people reacted every time I introduced Jesus, because I thought this is great. And, the, and I found the more I talked about Jesus, the better I felt. So that that's that was pretty good uh, thing to do. Uh, and not only that, it was changing my life and all my friends were coming around and they were so concerned. It, it made such an impact that we had this big, I didn't know what was happening, but there was all a circle, circle of people and they were discussing about, about God and me and what had happened. And, uh, and it was interesting because they're all against me except one guy who was really demonized actually. He stuck up for me. <laughs> He was actually um, he was he's a, uh, a rock icon in New Zealand, and uh, but I we had just become friends with him, but uh, not realizing how uh, how wacky he was. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, he stuck up for me, and I thought, well, this is really cool, you know. Um, and so the the effect of Jesus in me and the effect of Jesus in you is immediate. 
It's powerful. It's effective. And we need to keep on and, and grow into it and hold on to it and run with it. Because we are the reality of this royal priesthood. I used to go worship down the, the back. I bought this uh, cheap 12-string guitar and used to worship down the end of our, our garden. We had a three uh, no, quarter-acre uh, lot and I used to go right down the back. But my aunt, I found my family, where it was against it, and my aunt used to throw rocks at me. <laughs> So, but, you know, I'm saying it works. I know it's true, okay? <laughs> wow. So we are a priesthood, and we've got a job to do. We are the people of God, and our job is to actually shine with this amazing news and not get overwhelmed with all the stuff and junk of this life and what we read in the news and, and what happened yesterday and my stocks and what have you. You know, we're not supposed to be governed by stuff in life. We're supposed to be governed by this reality because it's the true reality. It's the only reality because everything else will go. That's the promise. But this reality of Christ, of God, will stay and remain. And uh, so the next thing is not only are we living from a blessed state of being, God has dealt with our disqualification or sense of it, we're sent anointed to minister heaven to earth and we're, we're sent to serve the Father. That's our goal, to serve his God. That's Jesus God and Father. The lovely thing about the nation, the, 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 sorry, the notion and the nature of human regimes is that you'll always get top dogs and you'll always get these oppressive regimes. It's human nature. It might start off good from a good premise, but often things as they grow with human centricness, then they begin to hurt people. Okay? They begin to push others down and lift some up. Now that's human nature. And it's also demonic nature. That's the way the, the satanic realm works. It's, it's a very, very strong evil hierarchy. But the nature of God is, and the nature of what God does through Jesus, revealing his very nature, he lifts us up. He actually lifts you up. He lifts you up high. He gives you a place, a place of esteem and value. He gives us you gifts. He gives you jobs to do. And of course, through Revelation, we see the work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely primary in this. It's the work of God in you. It's the work of the Spirit in you that you're going to see. You're going to experience. You have experienced. And you're going to see more of as you trust, as you step in, step into faith and serve the Father. So the nature of our worship is humble service for the Father. And as we focus on Jesus, as we focus on the Father, we'll find that the other stuff won't happen. If we, as we magnify him, and it goes on there, um, his revealing and reign our purpose, I put there, to him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. We see the centrality of God. So in this calling, in this setting apart, in this justification and esteem that God gives us, we see that it's with a purpose to honor God. It's to honor Him. And as we honor God, as He's central, as Christ is Lord, as He is central, we will find all the good stuff about life, anything good, it will come to pass. It will actually come into fruition. 
You watch and see and trust God because this is the principle of God. As we, as we uh, trust Him, as we trust in His love and His character, and as we allow His rule through our lives, Him to rule through our lives, it doesn't go into building human kingdoms. It goes into building an eternal kingdom that never will fade because the th- human strategies and will tend to will tend to diminish. They go up and down. But a church uh, or an individual who builds their life into Christ and for his glory will go from strength to strength and glory to glory because there's a humility of, of spirit and they're not looking, uh, not looking to build themselves or get ahead themselves, but they're actually looking to serve. They're looking to lay down their lives to be a martyr and we, we, we don't have to be uh, in a, uh, an Islamic state uh, on the beach, you know, uh, with some uh, terrorists, you know, to know what it is to be a martyr. We begin now. We outwork the, the notion of the, or the nature of being a martyr in our lives by laying down our lives for one another. And I, I love marriage counselling because I, we talk about this all the time. It's about laying down our life for another. As we do this, you know, as, as, as Paul teaches, uh, teaches us to do, husbands love your wives and wives uh, uh, cooperate with your husbands. As there's this mutual love that happens in marriage, oh, I'll see a few smiles there. <laughs> and wives, submit to your husbands. Actually, that's a bad rendition, you know. It's talking about a mutual submission to one another in, under Christ, in Christ, which reveals Christ, which reveals God, so that everything about our lives, our marriage, our families, everything, the calling of God is there, the purpose is there to reveal Jesus and to reveal the character and the love of the Father. Is this good stuff? Great. Wow. Thank you, Rory. Okay, so Greg, just from what I've, I've just said, um, in contrast to empires that dehumanize, dominate and exploit, Revelation offers a king who actually raises the status of his followers. Is that good news? Yeah. So the return is in sight. And that's the thing to remember, and we often forget about it. And as we come to Advent, as we're entering the Advent season, uh, the, the baby Jesus, but let's, we as God's people, we're looking beyond that, aren't we? We're looking to the return of the King. It says, as if already, it says, behold, he appears within the clouds, uh, released through the clouds, as it were, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So it's as though it's about, it's, it's actually happening. It's actually pressing in to the reality of this current uh, sad world, messed up world. Um, the reality of the coming king. And all people groups of the earth will weep with sorrow because of him. And so it is to be. Amen. Why will they weep? I think we we can all surmise there. The reason why they'll weep is because they don't yet, they haven't yet found Christ as the centre of their lives. Perhaps they are still the centre of their lives, or something else, or someone else, or some other 
ideology is the center of their lives. But it's not Christ yet. And that's where we come in. We are sent. Our role as sent people is to be in the worlds of those who don't yet comprehend Christ, to pray for them, obviously, to pray for the revelation of the love of God in their lives. And obviously, that is something we can do by prayer, but that is something that is demonstrated through the very demeanor, through the very character of our own lives. We can't always uh, easily be explicit. A lot of, uh, a lot of positions in our secular society actually forbid us to talk about Christ. But there are so many opportunities that he cannot be suppressed. No matter what rule that the Australian government brings to suppress the knowledge of Christ, he cannot be suppressed. He will never be. He'll mu- he will laugh at those who seek to suppress the knowledge of Christ because he is the reality. And, and God is so much more ingenious than any any uh, person who despises God. So, they'll see him who came to redeem, but whom they rejected. Our, Our part as sent people is to shine Jesus in our world. For he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, or the in, in Hebrew Aramaic, Aramaic Aleph Tav. I am the Aleph and the Tav. I am the one... Even before, what the Lord is saying here is, I am the one that was before time, before the beginning, and after, after time, after what will be. I am the Lord who encompasses reality. I am the reality. Jesus said, I am the truth and the life. Jesus is reality. He's before the beginning and after the end. Who then are the false gods of our time. Secularism, security, status, success, achievement, comfortability, enjoyment, individualism, independence. All these things we're called to give up. We're to give up our rights, give up these so-called rights because there's a right that is better for us and for everyone else. And so as we we yield to the Lord uh, and see him as Lord, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Lord Almighty. Do we see him, Lord Almighty, in our lives? Do we see him as encompassing the reality of our daily lives? Do we see Christ there or do we see other things? Do we see the society, the situations, the realities around us as greater realities realities in God? And will we believe and live as sent ones? Will we take the charge that John gives us divinely by his spirit and speaks to us this very day, this very morning? Will we take this charge and live as his sent ones, as, a, as carrying ourselves as royalty? That's, that's what the word says there, that we are esteemed, we're given a place of, of high esteem. Now you may think, well, that's ridiculous. It's not. It's the truth. In Christ, he's made that possible. He's given you a place of, of empowerment, of confidence, and, and of, of, of justification. A place so that even when you're knocked down, even if you were, your life was taken from you, you bounce up again. Because you are a resurrection person. You are a Jesus person. And even death, 
Even death cannot suppress the one, the church, who, who walks with this comfort, with this confidence. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I'm going to invite to Joel just to come. Thank you. And just lead in that song. This was produced by Cornerstone Christian Resources. It is deemed copyright and may be used by For further information about Cornerstone Christian Resources, please visit the Cornerstone website.